So we are here this morning because it's Easter, and that's what Christians do. They go to church on Sundays, in the morning time, especially at Easter time. But we're here for so much more than that. We're not just here because of a day that might appear on the calendar weekly or yearly. We're here because of Jesus. But not just any idea about Jesus. We're actually here to celebrate a very particular thing about Jesus. And that is that after he died, he was raised to life again. That's what everybody's saying in churches all over the place this morning. He is risen. Risen indeed. Yeah. And we're here this morning to definitely celebrate that and and to reflect even on the implications and how far-reaching those implications might be, not just to other parts of the world, but even other parts within us. When Jesus moves from I know to I know, when the reality or the fullness of him begins to settle in even deeper, can, can, can cause comfort to pains that you maybe didn't even know you had, or purpose to a life that you already thought was rather purposeful. The gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished and the kingdom that he has established, the whole good news of God is an amazing story. And I don't know the last time you have had to share that story with someone and it wasn't just read around a a dining room table or uh, at at a fireplace on Christmas Eve, but you're literally telling the story and the people that you're telling it to really don't know it very well and so you got to start at the beginning. So there is a God in the universe and he made everything. Just out of nothing, he made everything. He spoke and things came into existence. That's how great this God is. And not only that, but then God made this particular creation and he made like humans, you and I. Our our first parents, Adam and Eve. And they were made, we have been made in his image. So we are image bearers of this creator God. Is that not amazing? And then we rebelled against that God. Like You might wonder, why? The answer is we all know, because deep down inside of us, we would rather like run our own lives. We would rather do what we want to do. We would rather follow our own hopes or our own dreams or self-actualize um, what, what life is supposed to be about and create a life that has meaning and purpose for us and for those that we love. And that's so much easier, we think. It's so much easier than than following what what this creator wants us to do. I find myself just wanting to naturally just kick against this most of the time and kind of recreating my life in my own image. God made us in his image, and, and we would have too. We all have rebelled against him. But then God loves us so much and desires to be honored in our lives that he pursues us and he establishes a people through one man, Abram, so that he might bring his son where God 
empties himself. The, the Jesus, who's always been with God, his son has always been with the Father. And he empties himself and he takes on human flesh and he begins to tell of the story of God's love and our rebellion against him and the kingdom that he's going to establish and the people that he went to to tell this love of God and God's forgiveness for them, just like every other prophet that came before them, Jesus was killed. And then three days later, right? We've got to get to that part of the story. Three days later, God raised him from the dead because he wasn't going to let death be the final word because God had an eternal plan. And so God raised him from the dead. That's why we're here this morning. God raised Jesus from the dead. And, and then he went back into heaven after he spoke to his disciples for a little while. And he sent his spirit that would now dwell inside of us. And he's in heaven. And then one day, this happened 2,000 years ago. And he's in heaven. And then one day, we don't know when that's going to be, but one day we believe that he's going to come again and we will live forever with God. Happy Easter. But when I tell that story, I just think, wow, that's an amazing story. Sometimes I don't even, I have a love-hate relationship with the word story. Because when I say to you, that's an amazing story, how do you go, yeah, no, I know, you ever wondered? Because at the very pinnacle of that, literally, it, t- talk to most, most Christian scholars or just even believers, they'll tell you that in, in some very real sense, Christianity like hinges on this weekend. That's the hinge. Everything rises or falls with what happens inside that tomb Sunday morning. If he comes out, I mean, the disciples didn't even know to look for this. He comes out, everything's on. He stays in there, everything's off. There are times when I listen to that story, even when I'm speaking it, and I just have to just catch myself and say to myself, sometimes when I think about the resurrection of Jesus, it just seems too good to be true. I love to say that in church. As the pastor... Good thing is, I'm one among many pastors. So, anybody hear that story, especially when you're telling that story to somebody else and you begin to wonder, is that just too good to be true? Have you heard this? That most Christian ideas are basically just designed so that we can sleep better at night? This helps us. I don't want to think that that my, my life was just this random collection of circumstances over a long period of time. Like, I don't, I don't want to believe that I don't have a creator, that everything has just been left up, left up to just chance plus time. So when, when you think about that, you think, okay, so then, and I do, how many of you feel better knowing that God created these things, that he created us in his image? Anybody else that make you just feel better? It does. It makes me feel so much better. And I get that I'm broken. I I know the hard work that I've had to do to mend a relationship. I'm sorry. Like I I just, I, I say things and I do things and I know it looks like I mean them, but I really don't. And right now I just, I want to crawl in a hole. I just, 
I just, I'd rather be anywhere else than here, but I feel like I need to be here. I am so sorry for what I have done. That's how Canadians apologize. I'm so sorry for what I've done. Sorry. Will you forgive me? And it helps me, actually, to think that God is in heaven and he loves me in spite of all these things I've done. Like, it, it makes me feel good, actually, to know that God loves me in spite of all the bad things that I've done and he forgives me and that he would send his son to die for me so that I could be forgiven. If I can just be honest, like, that really makes me feel good. Like, it really helps me sleep at night. I want a purpose in my life. I don't want to just think that everything I've done and all the work that I've done is just going to end up just, you know, just like a sand cat. The water just kind of wears it away. Time just wears it down, wears it down, wears it down. I want, like, my life to mean something more. I read the Bible, and it offers me this picture of more, and it makes me feel good just does. Like, I know that you might go, sounds to be good to be true, but I'm telling you, like, it's working in me. It just is. Anybody else? It's working. When I was about 12, I don't know what it was. We were moving. Maybe that was it, but I remembered waking up at night, and like no other time in my life, I remember this before this, but I remember waking up at night and just being, you know, concerned about, how can I put it? Not living, not being alive. And I would just sit there, my heart would race, and my heart would race, and then I would think about, like, my parents, you know, not being alive with me. And my heart would race even further and further, and I would sit there, and I would become just, like, freaking out inside about the possibility of not existing and just not being anywhere. Okay, but there's, there's a God, and he loves me, and Jesus has forgiven me, and I'm going to be with him forever. And, and it didn't, it's not like that thought then all of a sudden made it all go away. No, it probably took about two hours, and then me just falling asleep. And now when I think about heaven, and I think about like life eternally with him, whew, it just makes me feel better. So do you understand, like when people say, like these ideas that you have about God and about forgiveness, these ideas that you have about purpose, those ideas that you have about a life forever with God, like you do realize that that could just be you wishfully thinking out loud. Yeah, I get it. Like that question isn't crazy. I've asked that question myself. But you know what I can't shake? Again, me talking. Still think it's true. <laughs> like, I get it. I've chased all those rabbits by the time that I'm done, I'm, but I still believe it's true. There's been other moments in my life where I just can't believe it's happening. I mean, you might say, well, it's a lesser thing, but I'm going, no, but I've, it's not the first time this has happened. My, my wife um, broke up with me twice before we were married. Ridiculous. Twice. Still getting over it. She doesn't understand why I can't let it go. Seriously? Twice. She doesn't talk to me after second service when she heard me do this a little bit, but 
And I remember, I do, I remember like in our engagement, I remember hoping she would show up for the wedding. <laughs> I thought she would. I thought she's responsible. She'll let me know. Like I'm not going to be standing up there and she's not there. And I had heard rumors that she was in the building, you know, and I was kind of excited about that. And we didn't take pictures with each other beforehand. And I still remember standing up front and the door swinging open. There she is and her dad. And I just thought, this is too good to be true. And I remember each of my boys. Remember what do you do? Count fingers and toes, fingers and toes. Too good to be true. Then they made us take them home so we know it's true. Like there's lots of times in my life where I've had that experience to a lesser degree. Like I get it. Don't those ideas about Jesus just seem so good to be true? And I now tell people, yeah, they can seem that way because they provide a tremendous amount of comfort and peace to a lot of people. And I've seen those ideas work. I've done funerals of people who believe in Jesus and people who don't. The ones where they do, the, the funeral's much better. I've walked into homes where families are struggling with just ordinary family-type struggles same struggles, different family, believe in Jesus, obey Jesus, follow Jesus, don't believe in Jesus, um, trying to follow kind of Christian ideas, the families that seem to follow Jesus, they, they, it doesn't save them from the problems, it seems to give them a deeper sense of purpose, a deeper sense of joy, a deeper sense of, of strength and engagement. I, I know that that just sounds like it's practical type things, but I'm just trying to just share with you that, yeah, I get it. I get that it seems too good to be true, but I'm going to come back for lots of different reasons. Like, I think those ideas are true. There is a God, and he did send his son, and he did die. And I believe he was raised on the third day. Tomb was empty. Angel appeared. I think one of the things that, that might help us is that what Easter challenges us to do is to move beyond the ideas of Jesus into a much more engaged and real truth about Jesus. You know, there are a lot of churches around the world, in, in America in particular, that don't really believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. It still amazes me that people don't know that. They go through all of the motions, but they don't believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. They don't believe in the inspired word of God. They don't believe it, but they go through the motions because they love the idea of resurrection. But there's probably some in this room that like the idea of what Jesus taught or like the idea of going to heaven or like the idea of a relationship with Jesus. Kind of looks like this, which is a scary thought. It kind of looks like this. <laughs> is that Amy? That's scary. Yeah, it is scary. I think I feel I, every morning, mirror. Ah! By the way, that's me, in case you're wondering. I dress the same so there'd be no confusion. And there are many of us on Easter Sunday that are more comfortable and are more used to something like this. 
than this. Ideas of Jesus. Ideas of resurrection. Ideas of heaven. Ideas of. But, but nothing that pushes back. Nothing that has real substance. And I guarantee you. Can you tell the difference? How about if I don't move? Sometimes it's hard. And, and by the way. Ideas about are not bad. They're not wrong. Don't make fun of them. Like ideas about Jesus Christ in terms of who he is, lead us to him. Truths about him point and reveal and shape our understanding of him. They are just never really what God ultimately intended. At a funeral, we say, you know, they're gone, but their memory lives with us. Anybody else just want to say when the preacher says that? I don't want their memory. I want them. Like I really, really? The memory. No, hear me. I am grateful for memory. I'm grateful for God's gift of memory. It has never been intended by God to substitute like real people or the fullness of him. Israel, remember who I am. Remember what I have done. But that's because God is ultimately drawing them to himself. Jesus doesn't say, hey, I'm going to die and just think good thoughts about me. That'll encourage you. No, he promises presence. I'm going to come back to you. And then when I leave, I will send like, the Spirit. I will send the Spirit of the Father and myself. And it will come and it will reside in you. The Bible never wants us. I mean, hear me. The ideas of Jesus, the ideas about God have value and purpose and point us in a direction and help us recognize the real thing when it shows up. But why would you be satisfied with this? But sometimes it takes some time to, to kind of get used to the difference. So yeah, some things are too good to be true. I get it. But then it gets a little bit deeper. Like once Jesus shows up again. Like once he, the tomb is empty. And the angels have spoken. And then the women confirmed what the angels said. And then the disciples confirmed what the angels told the women. And the tomb is still empty. Like, then it's all worked out, right? And then, no, it's not all worked out. Ideas about God, particularly based around the resurrection of Jesus, can seem too good to be true. I, I believe they're true. I would even encourage you to believe they're true. But sometimes they're just, particularly Jesus' resurrection, just seems too good to be believed. What's the difference? What's the difference between something that's true and something that's believed? Well, that's, actually, that's the game changer. That's what brings life. God is not asking you to, um, to believe that he's real or true. God is not even asking you to kind of like believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. Christians are confused by this. The concept for believe, we usually substitute it for, and it's one of its meanings. Like, I want you to kind of think this way. 
And we usually get satisfied when we talk to our children. Do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, daddy, I believe in Jesus. What does that mean to you, son? Pretty much nothing. But I, be- I mean, I believe he existed. I believe he was raised from the dead. I believe all those things, dad, they taught me in church. I believe all of that. See, can you tell there's a disconnect? What the disciples have to look at when they see Jesus alive again, this is too good to be trusted. This is too good to be believed. And the word believe in the New Testament describes a level of commitment and devotion and dedication and obedience and following That's what it is intended. That's what it's calling us to. And the disciples are going, okay, I'm I'm still trying to get over the fact that you were alive and then you were dead and now you're alive. Like, I'm not getting it. I'm, I'm not really understanding. So, see, the disciples had, they all did, like an idea of the Messiah. They had a... They had texts, particularly, we'll see this in a moment, from the Old Testament, that gave a picture of who the Messiah would be. And then the Messiah showed up. And here's what's amazing. There were people in Jesus' time, and Jesus would say to them, do you see the resemblance? Do you see the resemblance between what the Old Testament describes and me? Do you see it? And there were people, devoted people, who looked and went, I don't see it. And Jesus is going, you don't see it. And hear me, you don't see it. And they looked at him and went, sorry, I don't see it. Not recognizing anything there. You don't look the same to me. And Jesus continues to persist with them. He continues to to lean into them, to challenge them, to reveal more truth about him. And and here's what I find so interesting is that after the resurrection, it doesn't just all come together. This is one of the reasons why I believe the Bible is so true, is because after Jesus appears and demonstrates the reality, they don't go, okay, now I get it. They go like this, oh, I think I get it. Is there more? Well, there's more. Yeah, I don't know if I get it anymore. No, I get it. No, I don't. Yes, I do. I think I do. Is there more? Oh, there's more. Yeah, I don't know. But I think I do. Which, by the way, it's like, have they been reading my mail? That's my journey of faith. Luke 24. Listen to what the disciples say. This, this encounter is dealt with on the road to Emmaus, where Jesus is walking with disciples who he is keeping uh, the, the recognition of who he is from their eyes, from their mind, from their heart. And so he's walking with them and he's like, hey, what are you guys talking about? What do you mean, what are we talking about? Do you not know what's happened in Jerusalem? Do you not know? Do you not understand what's going on? And they cannot believe that Jesus doesn't understand what's going on, but they don't know it's Jesus. And, and look at verse 21. This is how I, I, I just genuinely believe that the Bible reads like a first-hand historical account of these things. One of the reasons why I believe, no matter how good it sounds, it's true, is just even the way the message comes to us in Scripture. Look at verse 21. But, see, all the events that we saw didn't kind of fit with what we were thinking. We didn't 
We didn't, on Friday when he died, we didn't go, okay, but guys, let's just cross our fingers. Two day, three days from now, we know he promised. They, even though he told them, they didn't know. They just went home to be sad. Some of them went home to start fishing again. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Had hoped. We no longer believe. We no longer hope. And then I love the next verse, verse 22. The NIV says, in addition, <laughs> it's them describing, oh yeah, and if you think that's bad. Moreover, oh yeah, and in addition to that, here's what he says, these disciples. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see. Okay, we thought we understood who he was, and then he died, and everything started over again. And then when we went to just even remember his memory, they said he was alive. And all we're dealing with is this partial information, and we're not understanding how all of this works. And, and you and I sit here with this as our backdrop. I don't understand why they can't see it. If we could just walk in their sandals, we would definitely be as confused, if not more, than them. The resurrection of Jesus can just seem too good to be believed, to be trusted. Here's, here's an, to be like obeyed, to be followed. Because that's when all of a sudden his life begins to put demands on my life. When the full reality of who he is and his plans and his purposes begin to intrude on my life and my plans. That's the rub. That's what Easter is about. Not get, getting dressed up and looking good for a whole day, you know, pictures at one. Hope Jim gets us out of here on time. No, it's a life of obedience following Jesus Christ. It's a life of remembering that Jesus Christ has been raised. Yes, he's been raised indeed. That's not a Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning motto. That is a lifestyle the gospel challenges us to accept. And then Jesus speaks. Some pretty, he does this to his disciples a lot. Lovingly, truthful words. Look at verse 25. And so he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. It's interesting, he doesn't just go, I don't understand why you can't believe. Like, look at me. I'm right here. I'm going to go back and say that there were some things about this that you didn't fully understand or appreciate. And you want to know why it is? Because you're foolish. And you want to know why it is? It's because you're, you are slow to believe. You're slow to heart. Like there are obstacles that are in your way. There are prejudices and biases about who God is or about who you are or about the implications on your life and the demands that God would place upon your life. There are things you don't want to give in on. God's demands for you, and so it is easier for you to go, I don't see it. 
And why? Because you're foolish. Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. You're foolish and you're slow to heart. I, I get why we always want to believe that everybody that we're sharing the gospel with has good intentions. I don't know if Jesus thinks that. I, I know that we believe that since we're all here and it's Sunday morning and we got dressed up and came to the late service, <laughs> that we all have the best of intentions. I don't know if Jesus buys that. I know that he's speaking about me sometimes when he says, you're slow of heart. After all that I have demonstrated from the scriptures in terms of who I am, there have been times where I have really wrestled to see it. Look at verse 31. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then I love this. And then he vanished. Hey, why did, do you know how many, how many of you, would, how many questions do I have for Jesus and he's gone again? He appears again, verse 39, look at this. And in this journey of um, them understanding and then it getting deeper and then them understanding and the new faith and then re-understanding, look at verse 39. See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones. See, this is not some truly, like I know we would say a spirit, but a lot of people believe that Jesus was raised like our resurrection will be spiritual. No, it'll be physical. Jesus says it right here. Spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Like this isn't me and my spirit floating around. This is me. My life is back. I have been raised from the dead and the immortal body that God promises at the end of time is something that I have right now because I told you, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not talking about ideas of resurrection. I am resurrection. I'm not talking about ideas of life. I'm alive. You see the difference? And the disciples are going, okay, well, when you put it like that, Beginning to see the difference. Me too. I'm beginning to see the difference. And then life happens and it gets confusing again. Verse 40, and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Okay, so now we got it, right? They didn't see, he showed them from the scriptures. They saw, so we're good. And then see, touch, feel, are we good? Got it. Look at verse 41. <laughs> I love this verse. This verse speaks to me. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling. Disbel oh, you know how difficult joy and marveling can be. Disbelieved, while they still disbelieved for joy and are marveling at the, the fact and the implications of that truth, they are still wrestling with what all of this means. So this morning, if you're just here um, to try to understand a little bit better who Jesus Christ is, Know that he will meet you here for that. Know that he desires to reveal himself and the truth about himself through his word, 
and even through his people, by his spirit. But he does it about himself, not just ideas about himself. Now, Jesus knows that he's going to leave, that I'm not just going to stay here forever. And by the way, he even says this. This is an amazing statement. And it's good for you that I go. Because if Jesus didn't do that, then he would only always be, truly, since he put on bodily form, he will always be in one place. And be honest with you, like I need the scriptures to teach me this, but I'm grateful that he left so that he would give me the spirit so that Christians all over the world would be able to celebrate today the reality of who Jesus Christ is. Then he gave him this word. And he says, I want you to see this. Why? Because the last thing that we recognize about the gospel, about the resurrection of Jesus and the the goodness of the resurrection of Jesus is that the disciples and at Jesus' prompting, at Jesus' command, the disciples recognize that the resurrection of Jesus is too good to keep to ourselves. We have got to share this. We've got to share it. We've got to help others see it. So this is one of the reasons why it can get a little bit weird is that sometimes when we actually do like a, hey, um, would you share your faith? It's kind of like, hey, David, would you mind just taking me down to where you work and just introducing me to everybody? David would go, okay, you want me to take the cutout? down to where I work, and just introduce the cutout to everybody? That's weird. Can you imagine? Hey, everybody, just want you to meet Jim, one of our pastors at the church. No, it's a cutout. Yeah, it's weird. I promise you I know that. A lot of us feel that way when we share faith. And he doesn't even really fit in our car. Can I introduce you to Jesus? Oh, yeah, I know it's kind of papery thin, not very flexible, not very responsive, but boy, oh boy, good ideas right here. But if I were to say to you, hey, David, now this is, by the way, where the illustration gets even complicated. David, would you mind if I came down with you and would you introduce me to some of your people where you work? You'd probably say yes. Good, okay. So the illustration continues. <laughs> there David says Yes. Because it's, it's not weird. It really isn't. Let me introduce somebody that I know that I care about. And I really believe that one of the reasons why we don't share like we could share is because I'm not saying your faith isn't, I'm not even saying, weirdly enough, I'm not even saying your faith isn't real. It's just not where God ultimately wants it to be. Is this what you believe in? Ideas of Jesus, ideas of God, ideas of heaven, or Jesus? I want to believe in Jesus, the real one. I want to believe in the real one. I want, I want to be able to find him, and then I want to be able to see him, and I want to be able to know him, and I want to be able to celebrate him, and I want to be able to share him. And Jesus does this for his disciples. As he then says, okay, get your Bibles out. Verse 45, and then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written, 
that the Christ would suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Their eyes are further opened. Verse 48, for you are my witnesses of these things, and behold, I am now sending you the promise of my, of my Father upon you. That's the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Okay, but Jesus, I don't think I'm ready. Verse 44, so he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Do you see it? Kind of, if we're being brutally honest. Kind of. Jesus says, I know. Like, I know. I know that you're trying to see me. And I know that it's complicated. And I know that the difficulties of life can get in the way. And that is why he has given us his word. To help give us a clear picture of who he is. And I genuinely believe that one of the reasons why I don't see the resemblance is because I haven't looked. Part of it is, like, I, I don't see the fullness of it. I don't understand why anyone would have to die. I know, but the more that we read and the more that we study and the more that we know, the more that we learn, and then the more that we love. And it is, it is this ever-giving of the Word of God, being powered by the Spirit of God in the context of the community of God that Jesus himself becomes real. And that's why I find it very fascinating. It would have been so easy if Jesus would have just said, yeah, I'll take care of it. But instead he said, I give you this. I give you this so that you might know me when you see me. The ideas of Jesus, particularly from this word, are so helpful because they lead us to him. And now as we gather around the table, I want us to spend a few moments reflecting on maybe some of those words that Jesus might have shared with them from the prophets, from the law, and from the Psalms. That as we prepare our hearts and minds to eat and to drink, that we might see him as described in the Psalms. Please give your attention to the screens.